1: Welcome
0: to the Imbalance History of Rock and Roll. I'm Ray Coob. I'm Marcus in the Darkest.
1: Hey, buddy. You know what? We have done 100 episodes. Don't trust whatever the app counter says. We've done 100 episodes, and this is episode number 101. And I thought it'd be really great if we took a look back at the first 100. Did we really do 100 episodes? How'd that happen?
0: I don't know. Time's flown. And it's been so much fun because we've gotten to research. We've gotten to go on sort of rock and roll adventures in a way, with each episode that we've recorded. So it's been quite a rock and roll trip. And the fact that we've hit 100 episodes, it feels like only yesterday when we had that conversation over lunch and a beer at that little pub in Narworth. Yeah, the Great
1: American Pub. I remember that day like it was yesterday. And it's been a while now, bro.
0: And that list that we made was freaking huge. The fact that we've only partially kept to that list in the first 100 episodes (laughs) is hilarious because things have come up, situations have happened, uh, opportunities have arisen, we've gotten a chance to talk to people who have been around at times when rock and roll has changed or evolved, so we've gotten to hear their stories from the front lines, basically, and it's been quite a ride and I've learned so much about so many people being able to read books and articles and watch interviews on youtube and listen to interviews and have conversations with people about all of this it's been wonderful
1: been a hell of an experience so far for both of us how do you mark 100 episodes no matter what the counter says on your app Mm -hmm. and move forward one of the things that we've done over the last year and a half almost two years now is five favorites we have our five favorite of everything Maybe we'll extend it beyond rock and roll someday and just go full bloom with it. But for now, Five Favorites has been kind of a fun way to uh, look into things without getting too serious because it's just your favorites and my favorites and the audience's favorites a lot of times, too. And so nobody gives any wrong answers because there are no wrong answers mm-hmm. on Five Favorites on the imbalance History of Rock and Roll. You're right.
0: And doing favorites versus best, it's so weird to even say who the best is. And there are people yeah, you that... can't. There are people that are in different echelon levels of greatness because of their skills and because of how they've impacted rock and roll individually, but being best versus being a favorite, Favorite. that's weird because, I mean, think about all of the different styles out there and think about how all of these bands and musicians talk to each and every one of us differently. We feel differently from each of those songs. It's a miracle.
1: It's a Christmas miracle held over to 2021. Hashtag more fun in 2021. Absolutely. Well, let's get down to it, though, because when you think about it, first hundred episodes, it might not seem too difficult to find five favorite episodes out of 100 possibilities. If you thought that, you'd be wrong. So let's do five favorites out of our first 100 episodes. And before we start, we always turn our gaze west to Vegas to see what the odds makers say will be how many episodes that we have in common on this episode of Five Favorites.
0: Vegas says 1.5.
1: Man, they keep coming up with that .5, which means there either is or isn't a winner. There are no ties when you have a .5.
0: <laughs> they want to take our money. <laughs> That's right. That's
1: right. They want to take the money, and they're doing their damnedest at it. So, Okay, straightforward. Tell me, what is your guess about how many we will have in common on this 100 Episode 5 Favorites? I'm going to go bold and say two. Because you think that there's a couple things that we both had commonality with that we'll definitely agree on?
0: Yes, and I think we both acknowledge the fact that they might be changers or not... Game changers? Not game changers. I think that's an pr- improper word, but their recordings or episodes that we did that we either grew or just had a moment that made a difference in our growth and our evolution as a podcast i know that sounds totally corny hippy dippy no not at all it's
1: exactly what i was thinking actually and because of that i'm going to just for the sake of not having any argument or difficulty here, i'm making my pick too okay now in reality the odds of us having two in common are pretty low okay and here's and here's why because i could do five favorite five favorites episodes within the podcast's first 100 episodes artists album digs that we've Mm -hmm. done uh special projects interviews things like that there's there's at least four or five areas where we could dig in and do five favorites in each of them Mm -hmm. instead of just doing five favorites out of the first 100 episodes you see my point
0: I totally see your point, and I think I was thinking that, too, because if you think about it, we've done a bunch of different topics and angles in the rock and roll family tree, and we've had a lot of variety in where we've gone, so it broadens the categories, I guess.
1: And uh, by the way, we've got to thank some folks who've helped us, the Pantheon gang. Really put us on the path that we've been on lately. And we thank all of you guys for finding us wherever you have. God bless you for doing so. And uh, we're, we're having some fun with this. So thank you. And uh, also thanks to all the people who we, we will be talking about coming up in this episode who've been part of some of our favorite moments of doing this podcast for you guys. That's really what this is all about. Our five favorite moments of of doing the podcast together, right?
0: Pretty much. And I think when we talk about our favorites, I think one of the things that I used as a factor is that I learned a lot and that I had a lot of fun researching and that the researching took me to new places that I had never been before with some of this music. And I think that was one of the factors that really made a difference in this. And again, like you mentioned, I also want to say thanks to all of the people listening to the podcast out there because you've made a difference. People like Paul Schlimm and Hefe and Abby who have been interactive with us. We really love the interactive conversations. And in 2021, with more fun in 2021 we will be more in,
1: in 2021
0: yep we'll be more interactive with the conversations on facebook and twitter and instagram and all of those places because we really really do enjoy talking about rock and roll to be able to do the research and find new stuff out about all of this and to be able to talk about it so that we can all learn together has been remarkable for me so
1: well you guys have been guiding us and something i don't think we've really discussed uh before that we started working this morning is i'm thinking that it's looking like we've got enough really great suggestions that maybe we get to do in 2021 uh, like listener month where listener episode ideas get put into play we've got so many great ideas and we 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 just got some emails and we've had some other ones that we've talked about Mm -hmm. like you mentioned paul uh, so let's, we to talk about that and look at that as another way of getting you guys involved more and we're still going to do the podcast, but we're <laughs> going to take some of your ideas and, and, uh, put them into play wherever we can. And if we got enough of them, we'll do a month because hell, we're always looking for ideas and some of them just keep falling into our laps. Like some of the things that we've alluded to recently that'll be coming out in the next couple of months here on the podcast. But this is about a rare moment for us because it's all about looking back but this is about looking back at what we've done uh, in the last two years or so as we prepped and launched and now built this podcast into something that's uh, something that some people actually look forward to every week and God uh, knows we need more things we can look forward to in the world these days yeah. so it's five favorite episodes in the first 100 episodes, and I'm going to lead off because I know you love this one too. You ready?
0: Yes, I'm ready.
1: My number five favorite is an album focus that we did, and we both were on fire talking about this album, the production elements, and the way the information all fell together. The things we learned about Peter Gabriel's So album is why it's my number five and they're trying to get a specific sound and they can't quite get it all from what they're recording so who do they get sir copeland come in and do some hi-hats
0: but the funny thing is is at the very beginning of the record peter gabriel wanted no symbols and no hi-hats and daniel Lanois had to talk him into that because he was like what are you talking about you're gonna need it That episode was a lot of fun, and I think one of my favorite parts about researching and learning about Peter Gabriel's record was hearing Daniel Lanois talk about what he went through from his end and how he saw all of these geniuses working together to make this brilliant album.
1: And it underlines something that has become a discussion for us that people don't always understand the role of the producer and what they go through and what they do and that we might start doing a producer series at some point. So that episode influenced us in a couple different ways. So that's my number five. You give me your, sir. My number five,
0: I'm going back to the very beginning. And while I am not a huge Beatles person, I think episode-wise, A Case for the Beatles really had a huge impact on me because it really helped get the excitement of moving the imbalanced history of rock and roll forward. It was also the tester of our chemistry in so many ways.
1: They influenced style. You know, We talk about Bowie, and there's so many ways he had such a mass influence on style. But they were one of the first. Elvis did too. And there were 50s artists who dressed with style and all that. Little
0: Richard was great with style.
1: But when the Beatles came out with the the mop-top haircuts, kids started getting in trouble at school because the hair was over their ears. Mm -hmm. Uh, Especially in Catholic school, I'll tell you my experience. Get your
0: knuckles cracked for
1: that. Uh, They created their own fashion sense. They took a different partnership approach. The last few records, I think you, you see more of their personal touch. Uh, on the records, working in tandem with Martin, especially white album forward, they what? took control of their publishing and their image rights. Nobody was thinking yeah. about their image rights then. Started their own label, created a boutique, created all this stuff, signed artists, and ran a yeah. label uh, and you know managed their business, their rights, and ultimately their reg- legacy in a way that no one had done before. Uh, certainly not a band uh, that broke up
0: and there was nothing awkward about it even though when it comes to Beatles ma- knowledge i'm going to be the first to admit i know very little about the beatles and <laughs>
1: and it was my debut as a barrister in the public eye so hey, you know
0: <laughs> exactly and so because of that it had an impact on me and it really motivated me to really want to move The Imbalanced History of Rock and Roll Forward. So I would have to say my number five, The Case for the Beatles.
1: Many, many, many of you have come to the podcast and started listening through. Binging, if you want to call it that, with Case for the Beatles. Marcus's number five. And I might add that you also get uh, double credit because... For the holidays last year, we delivered a, an illustrated version of it. At the beginning of the podcast, we didn't really use much music to illustrate things. And when we got the chance uh, about a year ago, well, we delivered the reimagined case for the Beatles. And you helped to make that another game changer, if you want to call it that, here on the podcast. And that means on our five favorite out of the first hundred episodes of this podcast, we move to your number four, Marcus. Marcus.
0: My number four is the Motown Overview. Well, it's why the artist stayed so loyal to him. He really developed them How to dress, how to look, how to dance. They choreographed their live performances to get them to move into the rhythm together. So he really worked with them as acts to develop. And not only him, but the whole Motown Gordy Records team Well, think really about the team. That.
1: Think about how this whole thing came together. Because initially it was Barry doing his thing, and then he's learning stuff, and he starts working with Smokey, who becomes like his 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 right hand lieutenant general right then there's some songwriting going on with Holland Dozier and Holland you mentioned earlier we were talking Barrett Strong and all these guys there was such great songwriting so they would write a song and they'd hear you know maybe when the Dozier Holland boys got done writing it they would hear this as a Diana Ross song or when Smokey would write a great song he would hear it for the Four Tops so there was a lot of that that old Brill Building Tim Pan Alley approach like songs coming at your ears come on up step on up record them and everybody had hits that's the most amazing thing about this is that how many fucking hit records came out of it so much so that they ended up nicknaming the Motown Headquarters detroit hitsville usa
0: i really really enjoyed putting that one together i think motown is much more important in the history of rock and roll than it is given credit for i absolutely love the music i love what barry gordy did yeah, and at one yeah. point he was the biggest label man in america and maybe even in the world the world absolutely so, To do that with so many barriers to cross and so many hills to climb and to do it at the level he did it. But it wasn't only him. It was people like Smokey Robinson. It was the musicians. It was the whole thing.
1: It was the Funk Brothers. It was everybody.
0: And the way he groomed his artists as far as teaching them how to write songs and dance and dress. And 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 to
1: help them to become who they were versus who they should be. Yes, He was good at that. He, ha- he let that happen at a time when a, a more controlling man would have just held to his, his cards mm-hmm. and lost. And my number four plays into your number four, but they're not the same, so it doesn't count in Vegas.
0: Nah, what's your number four?
1: All I want to say is it, it, we did episodes on Marvin and on Stevie Wonder, but I really felt that when it came down to Our understanding of the story, our telling of it, and our love of Stevie Wonder and the way the music started to shine through in episodes. Our episode about Stevie Wonder is just one of the best things we've done. And that's why it's mine, number four. He was on every radio station every damn hour.
0: (laughs) (laughs) With that many hits, you're going to be spun at least once an hour, sometimes twice
1: an hour probably. The calendar changes to 1970, and it's almost like a light went on over his head about creativity. Because it's around, isn't it around the same time? He was going through the similar transition around the same time Marvin was transitioning into what he would do uh, in the 70s and beyond.
0: Yeah, I think the civil rights movement, the racism, va- the societal views impacted Stevie Wonder a little differently. I think he went more the way of Martin Luther King Jr. and love conquers all, love conquers all. I think that you see it in the music, in the songs.
1: Plus, I love Stevie Wonder.
0: (laughs) I had a lot of fun putting that episode together, talking about that episode. Stevie's music had a huge impact on my life. I was a lot younger during the uh, talking book, uh, Songs in the Key of Life days, than you were. So I listened to it more as a little kid.
1: Yeah, but listen to this idea. The concept that when I was a little kid... All those Motown records were coming out, and I was the same age when I was a little kid then as you were when the 70s Motown and Talking Book and that era of Marvin Gaye and all that was coming out. So there's a commonality with two different eras, something that we talk about, the different eras and slices of rock and roll life, but... Both of us feeling Motown at our number four, and that means here, on this episode of Five Favorites, encompassing our first 100 episodes, not an easy thing to do.
0: No. So, now that we have done your number four being Stevie Wonder, it is time for you to share your number three.
1: You were talking about special events and things that we've done that have really propelled the, the podcast forward. Initially, we did a, a two-part episode about Robert Johnson. It, it didn't start out as a two-parter, right? But it ended up that way because of how much of the story of the blues we were able to tell because of the progenitors of the blues who are as much a part of the story of the blues in America as Robert Johnson is, in my opinion. So we told the whole story. And then we cut it into two parts, but then something unexpected happened. We got a chance to talk to Preston Laderbach who wrote a book with Robert Johnson's half sister called Brother Robert and reissued the two originals and one of the most amazing episodes we've had with Preston and the stories that he told us about writing his book the things we learned about robert johnson we able to share with the audience definitely a game changer other episodes may not be but that whole thing was definitely a game changer for us because it also showed us not only what we were doing and that we were on to something but it showed us a direction to go in with at least some of our episode focus for the future so that's why it's my number three and some of that's real first person personal stuff but that's part of what this is about here on this episode of five favorites
0: yeah, that episode was amazing, and I can't wait to talk a little bit more about that episode. But first, it is time to pause for the cause.
1: Get that free 10-ounce or crooked eye. Well, we're bouncing into the new year, and there's always a lot going on at Crooked Eye Brewery, right there in the heart of Hapro, York and Montgomery. A great place to go and get the finest brews in the Philadelphia area, right, Marcus?
0: Yes, they are. And if you like a dark beer, this is the season for something like their Black Eyed Stout. Fantastic. My favorite of all their beers, even though I've tried many of them.
1: Go right into the brew pub right there in the heart of Hapro and see what's on the board. Take a taste of the stout or anything else and uh, take some home with you, even if you're staying for a pint. And the entertainment's coming back, too. Tony Washington and the Tuesday Night Blues Jam has been starting to happen again a lot more more things happening in real time live in the pub and also sent out via the uh, the Facebook page for Crooked Eye Brewery. Live entertainment returning to Crooked Eye as we get closer and closer to full normal resume at some point. And whatever's going on with that, you can find out on their social media, especially on Facebook, Crooked Eye Brewery. A great place, a neighborhood joint, so to speak. Hepro, you're so lucky because you can just take a walk over anytime and grab a pint of Crooked Eye. I'm jealous. I gotta drive.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and if you mention the Imbalanced History of Rock and Roll, you get a free 10-ouncer. It's like a big taster.
1: Hello, may I please have my free 10-ouncer because I listen to the Imbalanced History of Rock and Roll. And we thank Crooked
0: Eye Brewery for their support.
3: Or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once, new quick-charge function,
1: Celebrating 100 episodes of The Imbalanced History of Rock and Roll, I'm Ray Ku with my partner in crime, Marcus in the Darkest, and we decided that we would do an episode of Five Favorites to look at the first 100 episodes of this podcast. And recapping where we are and what we've covered, my number five was Peter Gabriel So, the album dig that we did that was so much fun. At number four, we kind of agreed, but Vegas won't give us the call You had the Motown overall episode that we did that was amazing and and so educational to do. And then one of the most feel-good episodes we've done, number four for me, Stevie Wonder, digging into Stevie. My number three is the interview and the episodes adjacent to uh, the interview about the book Brother Robert and the story of Robert Johnson, where we actually added... To the story of rock and roll as people know it by interviewing Preston and talking about Robert's half-sister in the whole book. An amazing role to be in when you're starting a young podcast.
0: And that book is really good. We highly recommend it. And we'll put the link up to the book when we put this episode out.
1: Five favorites, digging our way to the top. How do you dig to the top? But that's what we're doing and that means we need your number three episode of this here podcast.
0: My number three is your number four. The man Stevie Wonder.
1: Oh, dog! We got one in we common. Got one in common. We that means you've given like two episodes out of your five to the music that Barry Gordy made famous, dude.
0: Truly, but also the so fa- far, so far, so far. We still got a couple left, but. Yeah, Stevie Wonder, his music has meant the world to me throughout my entire life, and especially from the mid-70s on, when I got to see Talking Book for the first time, and then I got to hear it, and I was blown away by it, and then, of course, Songs in the Key of Life, which is one of my all-time favorite records, without a doubt, one of the most important records to me. So being able to read and learn more about Stevie Wonder, it was wonderful, and I know he's impacted so many people, in so many ways so he's an easy
1: conversation too and i'm just like you impacted all the way through in every way that i've just already discussed but Mm -hmm. so we have one in common so far on this episode of five favorites and i really didn't see that coming because you had motown in there at number four but anything can happen because this podcast is imbalanced indeed Please keep away from small children and moving parts. (laughs) Hey, buddy, what you got at number two in your five favorites out of our first hundred? My
0: number two is the first one we released on the Pantheon Podcast Network. I feel like this was a significant point for us, and I'm really glad that we joined the Pantheon Podcast Network. I really enjoy working alongside all of the other great podcasters yeah. that love music and are as passionate about music as we are.
1: The lo- I love the passion for their podcast yes. because some of them are very, very busy people and somehow fit it in. Absolutely,
0: and there's some really excellent podcasts in the Pantheon Podcast Network So I highly recommend if you're as passionate about music as we are Continue to check out some of the other podcasts as well I also really enjoy working for Christian and Peter They're two fantastic guys We've had some great conversations with them And they've been really supportive of us And have been monumental in our growth and our evolution as a team so i
1: appreciate all of that june 7th 1969 they played in margate wow that's just crazy (laughs) right around that time they get their first gigs at the legendary student prince in asbury park and they take their first trip to virginia in september of 69 uh, and then go back for another visit just a couple months later in november their first little tour yeah that's pretty sweet well you think about it why and i know there's a reason and maybe we should dig into that for the future but Mm -hmm. Um, they had a reason to go to Richmond and they played a gig there and then went well. So they brought him back, you yeah. know, it but was, it was a long ride. I know
0: they played a lot of like gigs for like the greasers, as he talks about in his books and the rah-rahs, which were the jocks and the cheerleaders and a lot of the uh, rich kid gigs. After a lot of they school gigs. Stripes. Yeah, a lot of school gigs. But like they played some like beach gigs for the rich kids at some of the beaches and the parents would be on the side getting hammered on martinis. Look, and the you're kids doing what tri- you need to do. The rich kids would try to start fights with them because they looked like a bunch of band guys and they were very rock and roll. And besides, I learned a ton about the boss and not being in yeah, this area. And knowing who he is as a person and, and how his childhood impacted him and all around a pretty solid dude. He's done some pretty cool things over the years and his music is still great. And he's still phenomenal live. There's no going around that. So for all those reasons and more, and the fact that I got to see you as excited as you were to talk (laughs) about this all are reasons why it's my number two
1: i'll add a couple more because not only was it our launch on pantheon but it was also released on bruce's 70th birthday it gave me a chance to share that with you and a lot of our heritage related to the boss uh to the world really if you've listened to that episode you know what i'm talking about and if you haven't what's taking you so long I'm just kidding. <laughs> so your number two, Bruce Springsteen, that kid from Freehold, which was a great episode. Yeah. Just a great episode. So now so it gets around to my number two. Yes. What is your number two?
0: This is the Brian Jones project on the imbalanced history of rock and roll.
1: Have you ever had the thought, like, man, if I was there that day?
2: And believe me, that's one of my great regrets, is that the now Lady Getty and myself went to the canary. Islands, and At the time, we had this seduction bet. Unfortunately, in that case, I was involved in this instead of making arrangements to go immediately to Brian's new house.
1: My number two was a corner turner. Not so much a game changer because we'd already started to find our stride when we found out about this documentary made by a man who we already knew about, Danny Garcia. The subject of which was a man that was both mysterious and omnipresent to us in the one and only Brian Jones. In the time it took us to put this together, Marcus, we both learned a shit ton. Because we not only interviewed Danny, we interviewed Stash, Prince Stash, who was one of Brian's cohorts in crime when it came to shenanigans and fun and games out in the world. He really was. They were <laughs> he was a, he was a dandy, glam dandy, just like Jonesy. And they were nigh inseparable. And we got some amazing things that we learned about Brian Jones from Stash.
0: Prince Stash is one of the few people in the film who was really close to Brian Jones and knew him very well and was also with Brian Jones at the time of his 1967 drug bust, the first one.
2: You have a lot of people who speculate endlessly, and it's very annoying because uh, they express very forceful opinions, vilifying other people and so on, that, that it's absolutely shameful because they've read books of writers who've copied one another and propagated erroneous information which is very very annoying and
1: it's pretty well known marcus that after that drug bust brian's role in the rolling stones became diminished
0: yeah we spoke with danny about the effects of the drug bust on brian jones it
2: destroyed him yeah he's he totally destroyed him and got him out of the band because, you know, he became this useless person, you know, taking mandrax and drinking more than he should.
1: And then we also got to talk with his daughter, Brian, one of Brian Jones's children. His daughter, uh, Barbara Anna, who was with us. So it made it a different episode for us. It, it taught us to do some different things as podcasters. Also, hard to believe, but it taught us so much about the whole thing with brian jones and how he died and what the circumstances were still one of my favorites to listen to anytime i want to dig into a, a, a now older episode of the podcast it's the brian jones project on the imbalanced history of rock and roll my number
0: two and to add to that i had so much fun with that one our interview with stash was a complete trip he's an interesting cat very well traveled uh very high in the royalty uh of europe and old europe money old europe money like money so old that it doesn't even get mentioned on the list of rich people and his mother i think was swiss
1: royalty yeah something like it's just like amazing things you put it all together it's all available on the blog where we have the full interviews and then we put together an episode uh, for the uh, for you know for the podcast mm-hmm. um, the other thing about all that was that it caused us to take a different look at how to put together a podcast by interviewing different people and picking things that they said to put in and how to put them all together and when you look at it on a screen the mixing screen is one of the most bizarre looking things that we've put together in a in, in hundred episodes so that's why it's my number two and all also because you guys really seem to like it.
0: Well, that mean... You want to know what my number one is, dude? I'm dying.
1: You got to tell me. Got to tell me. Please. I'm actually thinking that this is probably your number one as well. When we heard about the book Remain in Love coming out, we kind of th- threw out a feeler to try to get an interview with a guy that we both admire. Uh, one half of the greatest rock and roll couple that I know. I'm talking about Chris France and his lovely bride, Tina Weymouth. Chris's book has just done incredibly well. and raised his profile recently. And There's a lot going on. In fact, Chris recently said, Marcus, that he doesn't understand all these excuses for reasons why the talking heads can't get back together and do some touring when everything gets right. Did you see that? I did not see that, but I think that's a have to, great thing. We may have to get him back on the podcast.
0: You talked a little bit about your time at Compass Point and in the Bahamas and there were some great little stories that came about because we did an episode about The Clash and during that time at Compass Point, right about 300 in your book, you talk about the time you were spending in Compass Point Mick Jones, Big Audio Dynamite was there and we did an episode about The Clash and the history of The Clash and we began with that period of time in the Bahamas when Joe Strummer drove around the Bahamas looking for Mick to find him so that he could patch things up. And then I read at about 300, 301, 302 in your book that he asked you where Mick was so he could patch yeah. things up. And it's just so mind-blowing, these small little pockets of people and how everybody's connected in one weird little way or another. And it's just, it's marvelous as far as putting everything together and into perspective. So do you remember that time period, like when uh, Joe came by and how bad oh, yeah. he felt? What I, was that like?
2: It was so funny. It was real early Early in the morning and, and Tina and I had we had a young son you know a, a toddler and so we were up early <laughs> and, uh, there's a knock on the door and I opened the door I thought who the heck's that this morning and I, I opened the door and there was Joe Strummer standing there with like no shoes sand on his feet and like a dripping bathing suit and he said I lost my luggage and, and, and <laughs> said, I said Come on in, Joe," he said. "Well, well, I, actually, I'm looking for Mick. Do you know where he is? Where he might be? Where he is?" And I said, "Yeah, I know exactly where he is." And I, I took him down there, which was, you know, a hundred yards away. And then we we took them all out on our motorboat. We had a little motorboat, and nice. Tina and I took them out on the boat, and we, we had a wonderful time together. And it looked like they were getting along great. But I I think Mick Jones didn't want to go back to the clash after what had happened, and it's a shame.
1: First off, he's he's FOP. He's friend of podcast. He's yeah. been in touch with us and been just great. In fact, he said he'd hook us up for when Tina puts out her book in the new year. And they are just a lovely couple who continue to do well. We wish them a uh, happy new year and all the best. I don't know. They say don't meet your heroes because sometimes you might be disappointed. Well, he just underlined that how wrong that saying can be as well because he's just a great guy. Like I said, friend of the podcast and love that it. somebody of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame stature uh thought enough to spend some time with us here on on our little our little at that point was our little podcast and hadn't really started to sprout that much
0: yeah (laughs) that was a lot of fun that podcast was amazing we're both big fans of the talking heads and the fact that they were so important in the direction of the alternative music scene and to hear it from chris france's book was so much fun, and then to talk to yeah. him about it, and the fact that he's able to remember as much of it as he does is pretty awesome. And again, I would love to have him on, maybe with Debbie Harry and his wife, to talk about the whole CBGB's thing and how the movement grew. At some that point that would
1: end up being like a Brian Jones project.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It, we could do would. something like that, but it he would knows be
1: everybody. Yep, we it, can get a hold of Clem. I yep, know that
0: we can get a hold of a lot of people in that one, but I think it would be a lot of fun to do that. But yeah, Chris France is a lovely human being, and his book, Remain in Love, is an absolutely wonderful read. I highly recommend it. If you're looking for a book to read in 2021, check that book out.
1: And that brings us around the bend to your number one, five favorite from our first hundred episodes, Marquez. My number one
0: is... Another one that you mentioned, I think it was your number three. Reading the book, my brother Robert was just mind-blowing to me. And then to be able to talk to Preston, and had there not been a pandemic, we would have talked to Preston and Anya Anderson together. Who Robert's half-sister. Half-sister yeah, sister from sh- his... Absolutely. And yeah, she's quite a bit younger, but she's in her 90s and she's still as sharp as a tack.
1: At the end of his life, it gets pawned by his half-brother's son. Yeah. Uh, I think your book does a, a lot to dispel the deal with the devil nonsense in Robert Johnson's life. I think it's part of the legend and not really part of what I see as his true story. Now you have another kind of quest, if you will, another grail to go after the, the guitar. Any word on what became of it or where it might be?
0: Oh man, supposedly it was pawned on Beale Street in Memphis.
1: And that's what you have in the book, right?
0: Right. And so the pawn shops, you know, that are on Beal Street, they were a fixture there for a hundred
3: plus years, but they've all closed down. And and I think that the families that owned the pawn shops uh, have all died out and gotten out of the business. And so it would be very
0: difficult just as I'm trying to think of, well, how would you go about
1: tracing? Verifying. Yeah. Yeah. There's a
0: chance that if, you know, the old uh, pawn receipts exist in a family's archive or something, there might be something traceable there. There would be a piece of
3: paper. The guitar Who am I to to say that I know? I don't. But if it exists somewhere, it's probably not far from there.
0: One of my favorite things out there is the fact that there could be an actual search for Robert Johnson's guitar. And the fact that it went to a pawn shop in the 50s, I think, means that somebody out there could have it Mm -hmm. in their private collection.
1: I know. I've thought about that a few times when I've looked or listened to that episode. I'm just surprised that that's your number one, though. Yeah, it's my that's number really one. That's really cool. And that's by cool. the way. So we have two in common. Two in common. Wait a minute. Vegas a
0: pay minute. up, suckers. Oh, wait
1: a minute. Now, now they're trying to tell me that they're that we're going to have to wait to get paid out. What? Because we both hit. We both hit oh, this, pay this, up, this is the Vegas you know we love. Marcus, what's going on here? You can here? Venmo
0: me, Vegas. Yeah, Venmo, Venmo me. Or PayPal. <laughs>
1: hey, before we, before we log off uh, and go spend our winnings, I think I, we'll get about as much as we can get a, a, a large cup of coffee at Starbucks. So mm. <laughs> I think that's our bet. But aside from making it all fit into five... Uh, favorites. There are so many great episodes that we've done. And I, I was looking at the different categories where we could have done five favorites, like artists and bands that we've looked into, our episode about the Moody Blues and, and The Clash. I thought Clash was going to be your number one or you two because these are all episodes where we really sounded good the podcast, the sound of the music and everything working together was really really exemplary and I know that there's are some of your favorites too
0: there's so many really fun episodes and from our end being able to research them and to be able to share an overview of information and hopefully get people who listen to the podcast excited about checking out some of this music if they've never heard it before and if you haven't listened to some of this music in a while being able revisit it or revisiting your five favorite vocalists of the 80s. It's wonderful. To be able to share music with you is like sharing food. It's pretty intimate and it's pretty personal.
1: And these days we're in a shortage of that shit. You know what I mean?
0: Absolutely. And if there's one way to connect people and bond people, it is through music. I will say that in 2021 I do hope that we're able to interact more with all of you who are listening to the imbalanced history of rock and roll because it's so much fun to be able to do the research and share the information with you
1: hashtag more fun in 2021 there you go so <laughs> but yeah and 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 uh, the way things are going i mean we had begun to start talking about possible road trips like we have so many great listeners in uh, ontario mm-hmm. uh hamilton uh, uh, specifically that we thought well maybe we should go up there and do something up there and then it, during the pandemic all these People are listening in India, all over the country. And it's kind of interesting to see stuff like that happen while you're providing some mental escape during this pandemic. And we're doing stuff mm-hmm. like talking about albums like Wildflowers or Mind Number 5, So, the the Quadrophenia episode, the episode about Zeppelin 4, mm-hmm. and The Wall. The episode about The Wall and all the different episodes, I, I was looking at the number of uh, downloads since 2020 began and that's one of the, one of the top ones in R&B in the 70s. An episode that we did probably in a fun way. We were very uh, relaxed and and loose and talking about everything. And the energy in that episode, I guess, comes out. It's why a lot of people gravitate to that. Or the one about Woodstock, all the Woodstocks, including the one that got away. And the the interviews that we've done with people like Jim McCarty from the Yardbirds who got us started. Our pal Dave was sickening, and and, uh, Kenny Aronson Uh. who stopped by in person and gave us a two-part interview that still isn't done. Yeah. Um, your editing on the Laurel Canyon episode is an amazing thing. Uh, putting together an episode about Johnny cash or th- the mm-hmm. way we produce the episode about the doors. So many fun episodes. And we thank you for listening to any or all of them, whatever you've done. Mm-hmm. And uh, we hope that we'll continue to be worthy of that. We're working on some pretty fun stuff. You're making mm-hmm. 21 more fun, buddy.
0: Yeah, we hope you uh, stick along for the ride because we're having a lot of fun. And I think the next 100 are going to be even more fun for us to put together because we're going down new roads, and I'm excited.
1: For... Roads? We don't need roads. Arnie, <laughs> get the dog! Call it. Where we're going, we don't know. We have So you're going to have to tune in and find out where we go next on this crazy imbalanced podcast, but it's time to go. I'm Ray Coop rolling out.
0: I'm Marcus in the darkest.
1: We're a product of dark doc media and we are the imbalanced history of rock and roll.
3: It's NFL draft season. And that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football.